have been and Warsaw R&B Car Company are your used car experts. We're starting a little heavy today. And I just want you to be aware of that. And I want to take you back in time to 2015. And I, I know that some of you are probably like, ah, this won't be all that important. But it, it is. So in 2015, July 2015, uh, I did several shows and I've, I've mentioned it many times since then about the DC Metro stabbing. Now, for those of you who do not remember, there was a person stabbed to death in Washington, DC on the train. His name was Kevin Sutherland. He was the first ever homicide aboard the DC Metro train. So the train's been around 40 years at that point. Nobody had ever been murdered on the train. He was stabbed to death. And he he was stabbed to death. And what made this case for me so important was that everybody on the train watched it happen and didn't come to rescue him. And I had some thoughts about that and about the programming that you got when you were in school, your children are getting in school right now, and what politicians are trying to program people to do on a regular basis, even through mass media and social media right now. So I'm going to take you back. This is a local CBS affiliate. This is in Baltimore. They talked about Kevin Sutherland again being the first person murdered in the 40-year history of the D.C. Metro who stabbed to death after resisting a robbery attempt. The attack stunned passengers who watched it unfold. Okay. In the days since, it has sparked a furious debate. Should Sutherland's fellow passengers have done anything to stop it? Could they have done anything, even if they wanted? Two days after the July 4th attack, police arrested 18-year-old Jasper Spires, described as slight, at 5 foot 5 inches and 125 pounds. They charged him with murder in the attack. So the attacker was 5'5", 125. Okay, small guy. Police documents indicated at least four witnesses in the car were interviewed about what they saw describing a brutal attack. One witness says that she saw the attacker try to take something from Sutherland and that a struggle ensued. The attacker then began punching Sutherland repeatedly while he cried out for help. While Sutherland lay on the floor bleeding, the attacker threw a cell phone at Sutherland and then began to rob others on the train. So I just, I want to emphasize this, I want to em- emphasize this a little bit more here. You've got a guy who's five foot five, 125 pounds, tries to rob somebody. He resists. This guy uh, physically assaults, there's no knife at this point, physically assaults Kevin Sutherland. Kevin Sutherland is asking for all of the people in the train car to help him. To come to his aid. He's begging them to do it. That's not happening. He gets physically assaulted to the point that he's now on the ground. He's continuing to be beaten by the robber. The robber goes through his pockets. Still, everybody in the train car standing around not doing anything. He's going through his pockets. He's robbing the guy. He's still trying. He's still asking for help. Sutherland's still asking for help. He's still trying to hold onto his wallet. That's when the knife comes out. He is stabbed over 20 times in front of everybody in that train car. 
Not a single person lifted a finger to help this man. Attempted robbery, no one helped. Physical assault, no one helped. Screaming for anybody to help him out, nobody helped. They're just standing around watching this unfold. Rifling through his pockets, nobody helps. Pulls out a knife, stabs him. Not once, not twice, not three times. I think the uh, the final number ended up being like 23 times. Now I want you to just make a motion trying to stab something 23 times. And, and how long that takes to do. You can do it quick. But most people aren't going to do it super fast. I just want you to think about that. As you're watching this guy who you refuse to help, who is being physically assaulted, being robbed, he's now being stabbed to death, and nobody does anything about this. And what happens next, I think, is one of the biggest, the biggest commentaries in our society. This five foot five, one hundred and twenty-five pound bad guy turns around and robs everybody else on that train. So not only did their refusal to help lead to the murder of a man, they all became victims themselves because they refused to use their numbers to their advantage and step in. This would have been something that should have been relatively easy for for passengers to do if it wasn't somebody who was 5'5 and 125 pounds. Now, that happened in in the 4th of July, 4th of July weekend, back in 2015. And I did a lot of shows on that. I did a lot of commentary on it because I told you that you were trained to not act. From the moment you went to public school, from the moment you stepped into kindergarten, you were told not to interfere in an incident like that. That's what you were told to do, the vast majority of you anyway. That's what they still tell everybody. Every time there's a news press conference where law enforcement is involved and everything else, that's what they tell everybody every time somebody who does stop a bad guy gets fired from their job for doing it. That's what they're telling everybody in society when somebody stops a bad guy and then they face charges themselves because they shouldn't have gotten involved. Our whole society is built around don't do anything. Now, at the time, I had made reference to a a young boy named Cody. Now, Cody went viral. I don't know how many of you remember Cody. Cody went viral. Cody was um, an overweight kid. He was like 12 years old or something like that. And he was being bullied and picked on. It was all on video. And he was being bullied and picked on by a kid who was popular but a lot smaller than him. And he was trying to walk away, trying to walk away, trying to walk away. And eventually, he picked up this kid, and he body slammed him into some bricks. And of course, the bully is screaming and crying and writhing in pain. Cody's a hero. Memes about Cody go all over the internet, right? We talk about Cody, everybody talks. Cody is suspended from school. Cody is kicked off of the football team. Cody's the bad guy. What did Cody do? Cody said, I don't want to fight you. Leave me alone. Repeatedly, over and over and over again while this kid assaulted him. Why did Cody do that? 
because the school has been telling Cody to do that from the very beginning of his school life. The moment he walked into kindergarten, he was told not to defend himself, to walk away. Teachers and faculty and administrators have routinely told kids from long before I was even in school, just tell the kid punching you in the face that you don't want to fight and they'll go away, right? And he did all of that. And the kid kept coming and the kid kept coming and the kid kept coming until finally he had had enough. He picked him up and he, and he threw him around like a rag doll, body slammed the kid one time. That's it. Once the threat was neutralized, Cody walked away. Cody's the one that gets punished for defending himself. Now, why am I bringing all of this up? Because I'm sitting here. And I'm watching authorities in Philadelphia attack the passengers on this train who watched this woman get raped by this illegal immigrant who had been convicted multiple times of sexual assault already and had not been deported from this country. And I'm watching the authorities admonish the people on the train. And while there is certainly a moral argument for not stepping in, I feel that it's important to remind everybody that the authorities and the police and the government and the politicians and public education and everybody has been telling people not to intervene and not to help anybody. I have some theories as to why they're upset about this one, but not upset about, about the, the man being stabbed in the D.C. Metro back in 2015. I'm going to get into that in just a couple of minutes, but... This is nothing new. They have been programming you and your kids and your grandkids from the moment you stepped into kindergarten to not defend yourself, to rely on the authorities, to rely on government. You don't need a gun. You don't need ammo. You don't need to learn how to protect yourself. You don't need to put your kids in martial arts. It's dangerous. You don't need to do anything. All you have to do is tell the person who's punching you in the face repeatedly that you don't want to fight and then they'll stop. Why do you think that is? Because it certainly isn't about safety. Why do you think they have been grilling that into you, your kids, and your grandkids from the moment you walked into a public educational facility? Why do you think that is? But now they're all ticked off? Something smells here. I'm going to talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. What is the um, what is it that the government says? See something? What, Josh? See something? Say something. So the government says, if you see something, say something. Not if you see something, do something. Right. So we just went over the history of how they've been telling you from the moment you went to school not to protect yourself, not to protect others, just tell an adult. Go tell, go tell the authorities. The authorities will protect you. You don't need guns. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to do any of these things. All you have to do is just tell the person who is assaulting you that you don't want to fight, and they'll go away. 
which of course never happens. Department of Homeland Security. Remember when they had that that video when they were really fear mongering over active shooters. Remember they had that video on how to survive. What was it? Run and hide. Right. Name of the video: Run and Hide. And then eventually got to the point where if you can't hide anymore, use some scissors. You're not allowed to have faculty or teachers or law enforcement at schools to protect your children because that's just going to make things worse. You get it? You starting to understand? I know that many of you are putting this together. Everything that the system tells you to do is not protect yourself, not protect your neighbor, not protect your loved ones. Everything the system is set up to tell you to do, to brainwash you into doing, is to simply observe. If you have the ability, record it. Let the authorities handle it later. And that is exactly what happened in Philadelphia. Where for, I don't know, about 45 minutes, I think they said. A woman was sexually assaulted on a train. And nobody on the train did anything but film it. And while that is repugnant to me. Because I do support people stepping in and protecting others who need it. I am furious with the authorities here. And the reason that I'm furious with the authorities is all of a sudden the authorities are like, oh, this woman was was only raped because nobody helped her. You're the same people that tell everybody not to interfere. That you can just make things worse if you interfere. How many times have you seen police officers and police chiefs and sheriffs and things like that on the television, on the nightly news throughout your life that says, you know, we never, uh, we never advise people to actually get involved. Is you know, just you got to keep yourself safe. You might actually make it worse if you get involved. How many times have you heard that nonsense? And now they're mad at all of these passengers on the train, so much so that they're actually looking into whether they can charge the passengers on the train for not coming to this woman's aid. Passengers on board a Metro Philadelphia train who filmed a man raping a stranger will not face charges for failing to intervene, according to prosecutors yesterday, despite widespread outrage at their actions, or I should say lack of actions. And of course, we've got uh, an illegal immigrant from the Congo with multiple sexual assault convictions who is not deported. Now, we kept him here. What was it Trump said? They're not sending their best. And we kept him here. Multiple sexual assault convictions. We kept him here. And what does he do? For about 40 minutes or so, he fondles this woman as she tries to resist him. And then finally he rapes her. On a train. And there were multiple stops in which people were getting on and getting off of the train. There's at least 10 people in that car at any any moment throughout this entire assault they're saying. Ten people chose to film a woman getting raped instead of helping her. Now, again, this goes back to what I was talking about with what happened in the D.C. Metro stabbing in 2015. I wish they would have stepped in, but let's not forget why they didn't. They have been conditioned to be sheep. They have been conditioned to be lambs. They've been conditioned to not interfere. They've been conditioned to not defend. 
to not protect, to not put themselves in jeopardy for another human being. They have been conditioned from the moment they were four or five years old to not do anything, just tell the authorities. So they did exactly what they were conditioned to do, which is to take out their phone, document the assault, document the rape, so they could turn that evidence over to police, and police can do their job, which is what police always tell everybody. Our job is to catch the bad guys. Your job is to give us any information you have, but don't you dare intervene because that'll just make things worse. But why is it that we're dealing with so many people who are so ticked off about this? The answer is actually simple. Nobody wants me to say it. My boss is probably, when he listens to the podcast of this, he's probably going to be furious that I'm even going to say it. The reason that everybody is upset here is because the victim was a woman and everybody is supposed to care about women. Nobody gave a damn when it was a man being stabbed 23 times. That's the reality. Society doesn't care if a man gets murdered on a train. There's no massive outrage aside from one radio host somewhere. But a woman? Getting attacked on a train and people doing the exact same thing that they did when a man was murdered on a train a few years ago? That deserves criminal charges. That deserves national moral outrage. That deserves law enforcement and prosecutors and everybody to completely abandon what they tell everybody every single day of the year, every other day, and completely reverse themselves and say, I wish these people had stepped in and helped this woman. When was the last time you saw law enforcement on television anywhere say, I wish people had stepped in to help the victim here and not waited for us to get here? When was the last time you heard that? Now, I have heard law enforcement thank citizens who've come to the help of law enforcement. I have heard law enforcement sometimes, rarely, praise people who did step in. But I don't remember the last time I've ever heard law enforcement say, we wish more citizens would get involved and put themselves in danger in harm's way to protect another person. It's always the opposite. But now they're angry? And the only reason they are angry is because the woman, the victim was a woman. You should be just as angry when the victim is a man. You should be just as angry when the victim is an old person, is an able-bodied adult, is a kid, doesn't matter. You should be equally as angry every single time. But the fact that there is all of this moral outrage only stems from one thing and one thing alone. The victim was a woman, and the crowd did exactly what they have been told to do since the moment they walked into a public school. And everybody's ticked off about that. You wanted sheep, you got sheep, and now you're angry you have them? This is why you teach people to be sheepdogs. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC News Time, 3.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. 
Make sure you subscribe on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. Like I said, it doesn't cost you anything but your soul. So I figured we lighten things up a little bit after that last one. Very heavy intro to the show. So we're going to lighten it up a little bit. We're going to talk about slavery. Thomas Jefferson specifically. So you saw that City Hall in New York is removing Thomas Jefferson's statue, right? And I'm sure that you have noticed over the uh, the last several years, there's always some social justice warrior who wants Thomas Jefferson canceled because Thomas Jefferson owned slaves and everything else. And let's just, we'll start with the basics here. Friendly reminder that at that point in history, owning people as property was commonplace not just here, everywhere in the world. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it acceptable. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that great people in history did bad things. But it was the norm. If you had the ability to own slaves, you owned slaves. If you didn't have the ability to own slaves, you didn't. There were very few people in between that, that would deviate from the norm. So it was commonplace. That doesn't mean that everybody who benefited from slavery and everybody who owned slaves liked slavery. In fact, a lot of them hated slavery, wanted slavery abolished. If you go through and you look at some of the writings of some families, not families, but founding fathers, excuse me, who wanted to free their slaves, but the great concern was, could those slaves survive if they were free? Now, right now, because you're all privileged, you live in a modern society that is extremely wealthy. All of your basic needs are readily available for every one of you, and you don't have to fight to survive every single day. You also have relatively free, high-quality education. Now, I want you to imagine, and I know that this is a difficult thing to do, especially for you youngling snowflakes out there. I want you to imagine a world in which there is no public education. Education is a privilege, a rare one. Most people didn't get a great education. Most people just, the moment they could, worked the fields. With their family. Education was something that was reserved only for the wealthy and the privileged. You have to think about that. Now you're dealing with people who came over from another continent. And they didn't have an education. Many of them didn't speak the language very well. There was genuine concern about Washington himself. Washington would would write about this. Frequently, there was genuine concern about freeing his slaves and that would they be able to survive. So there were many who continued to own slaves, as wrong and morally repugnant as that is. Many did it, believe it or not, out of compassion. Did they continue to benefit from them? Yep. Did they continue to not pay those slaves um, a a proper share of wages so they could go off and get uh, nice things for themselves? Yep. And I think it's perfectly appropriate for you to point that out. But there was, amongst people who did own slaves, who did not like slavery, there was a genuine 
concern about freeing them and the, their slaves being able to survive. And many people back then had very good relationships with their slaves. They treated them very well. Um, not great because they're still slaves, but they did treat them very well in many cases. And so many of them became friends. Many of them had relationships, intimate relationships. We are talking about Jefferson after all. These are things that get ignored. None of it is an excuse. None of it is a justification. None of it is meant to whitewash the, the history of slavery. None of that. But it is important that if you're going to remove a Thomas Jefferson statue because, quote, it symbolizes the disgusting and racist basis on which America was founded, which, of course, is a lie, then wouldn't it be wise to at least analyze how Thomas Jefferson really felt about slavery and not just analyze the fact that he owned slaves? Wouldn't that make sense? Now, it does to a normal, sane, rational person. It doesn't make sense to an insano. And that's what we're dealing with here. Again, America was not founded because of slavery. Uh, that was not a founding tenet at all, not even remotely. Uh, it is a lie if anybody ever says the opposite of that. That is 1619 Project propaganda. That is not true. has been debunked by every credible historian in, in the, uh, the entire nation. But you removed the Thomas Jefferson statue. Nobody's going to acknowledge what Thomas Jefferson actually felt about slavery or the fact that Thomas Jefferson spent much of his adult life trying to get it abolished. We're not going to have that discussion. Uh, we, we, we will hear. Maybe they won't in New York, but we will hear. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Again, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Also, Telegram at Casey, the host. That's my primary social media. So while New York is gaslighting real American history and saying that a statue of Thomas Jefferson symbolizes the disgusting and racist base, basis on which America was founded, when America was not founded because of slavery at all, it is important to note that Thomas Jefferson was opposed to slavery. Thomas Jefferson tried to abolish slavery many times. Thomas Jefferson did a lot to get rid of slavery in his life and ultimately was not successful. But he tried repeatedly. For example, let's, let's, let's go through this. Thomas Jefferson wrote that all men are created equal and yet enslaved more than 600 people over the course of his life. Although he made some legislative attempts against slavery, and at times bemoaned its existence, he also profited directly from the institution. There's nothing wrong, okay? There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that historical fact. Throughout his entire life, Thomas Jefferson was publicly a consistent opponent of slavery, calling it moral depravity and a hideous blot. He believed that slavery presented the greatest threat to the survival of the new American nation. Jefferson also thought that slavery was contrary to the laws of nature, which decreed that everyone had a right to personal liberty. These views were radical. Again, this is why I wanted you to think about this. These views were radical in a world where unfree labor was the norm. At the time of the American Revolution, Jefferson was actively involved in legislation that he hoped would result in slavery's abolition. 
1778, he drafted a Virginia law that prohibited the importation of enslaved Africans. By the way, slavery in Virginia was codified because a black man did not want to let his indentured servants go. In 1784, he proposed an ordinance that would ban slavery in the Northwest Territories, but Jefferson always maintained that the decision to emancipate slaves would have to be part of a democratic process. Abolition would be stymied until slave owners consented to free their human property together in a large-scale act of emancipation. So Jefferson's position on this, while he opposed slavery and while he wanted it abolished, his position was that he wanted it to come from a legislative process. He wanted the slave owners to willingly give them up. He didn't want to do it by force. He didn't want to force that conflict. Now we know what happened with the American Civil War and ultimately what happened with the the emancipation. But he was trying to avoid that conflict for most of his life. To Jefferson, it was anti-democratic and contrary to the principles of the American Revolution for the federal government to enact abolition uh, or for only a few planters uh, to free their slaves. So, again, you can disagree with him on that. And I think that that is a fair disagreement. That had Jefferson supported the idea of the federal government coming in and telling states that you're not going to allow slavery that that would have sped up the process. Maybe it would have. Maybe it would have led to the Confederation completely dissolving. The United States of America doesn't exist as it is now. There's no civil war, but there's another conflict that happens before that. And maybe it turns out good. Maybe it doesn't turn out so good. We're talking about a non-industrialized era now. Things were very, very different back then. But it is important to note that while people want to run around and demonize Jefferson, and, and there are things to be upset with him about that his his life he was openly opposed to slavery and i do think it is appropriate to point out yeah but he did own slaves i think that's appropriate but as i've said before if you go through and you look at the personal writings of a lot of founding fathers they believed um, in many cases that they had to they had to have those slaves because it was the only way that they would be treated fairly it was the only way that they could survive and provide for themselves I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that that was the logic that was used by many of them back then. It's not an endorsement. It's not an excuse. But it is something to consider. More coming up. 95.3 MNC.